So, do you ever feel like people mistaken your upbringing or who you are or your identity? Yes. You know, being born on the cusp of the new millennium can be challenging in this current era to inform people about our values. Agreed, agreed. And as the most depressed, overstressed, open-minded, and diverse generation, it's been an uphill battle defining who we are to society without being generalized. We are here to discuss what it's like to be a part of Gen Z as we enter adulthood and find our generational identity. I'm Glow Robinson. And I'm Caroline Bonnerberger. And we are the hosts for Go Off. Today we will be discussing our episode title and also our own question of the week. Who is Gen Z? But before we get started, we wanted to hear from the public. Okay, I was born in the year 2000. I have people calling me that I'm part of the TikTok generation. I don't, I don't vibe with that at all. Um, I don't know. I, I had a flip phone. Um, I, I, I watched Sesame Street, Muppets, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, maybe it, that's a bad thing because it feels like I'm compensating for, for the amount of 90s kid that I am. So I was born in 2001, and one thing I noticed is that a lot of things from the millennial generation I relate to, um, but not all of it, and some things from the Gen Z generation, so I feel like I'm not really part of one. I feel like I'm in between in this kind of weird thing. I was born in the year 2001. I think my generation is a lot more used to having this violence in the media and that's something kind of sad and scary and we're a lot more demoralized to it um, and I think that's something really interesting and sad. All right, so to get this podcast started off um, about answering the question, who is Gen Z, we kind of wanted to do some research before we just launched into, even though we are Gen Zers, what we actually feel. So Caroline, tell me about your research. Oh, glow. I would love to. All right. So in order to, I guess, contextualize Gen Z, I thought it was a good idea to look back at the past couple of generations. And what I found to be pretty interesting from the Pew Research Center is that uh, there's only one generation group defined by the Pew Research Center, or sorry, by the census, and that is baby boomers. So when Baby boomers were first born in 1946. That was the highest fertility rate, like, ever since, I think, like, the early 1900s. It was wild. (laughs) And they, uh, what's it called? The U.S. Census, they wanted to classify all the, like, this influx of new children being born. So they created their own group, and they called it the baby boomer generation in the census. And it's officially defined as being between the ages of 1946 to 1964. So after that, they have not done a similar, like they haven't done anything else for any of the other other generations. So when you think about like Gen X, uh, Millennials, our generation, they're actually, the names that come from them are more or less created by the Pew Research Center. so last year, like literally just last year, the Pew Research Center decided to make the cutoff date for, mille- for millennials, which they chose to be 1996. So therefore, everyone born after 1997 is a Gen Zer. Um, they haven't officially had a cutoff date yet for Gen Z, but a lot of sources, including uh, Bloomberg News, they have said it's going to be like around 2012. So that's a span of 15 years. Uh, the past two generations have been 16 years. Baby boomers have been 19 years. So it's, I guess, pretty consistent with each other. Um, no, I think that's super <laughs> fascinating about the fact that the general census um, has 
made cutoff dates for the millennials, but they haven't for us. For what's it called? Pew Research Center. Pew Research Center. My mistake. So I think what's fascinating about this concept is in the sense of like, what defines a generation? Yes. In the sense of like, what can we bond over as kids? It is interesting, Glow. You bring up a fascinating point. And the the, what's it called? The people who do the most research about uh, generations isn't the census, but Pew Research Center. And um, a lot of what I have gathered from them is they tend to define generations by um, major, like, cultural, political, economic uh, points. So for all the articles that I saw, that I've seen, and from the Pew Research article that I'm referring to right now... Um, like i guess the two defining things of the gen z uh what's this called gen z generation are that they have they've grown up with technology they're technological natives and they are all too young to have remembered 9-11 or they haven't been born before 9-11 so they don't know like a pre-9-11 world that tends to be the two main signifiers for at least the Gen Zers. And then you got like the little stuff. Like you have, here's some more interesting information I'm gonna drop to you. Um, So I found this Forbes article by Julian Vigo and he was mostly discussing how technology defines the Gen Z generation, but he did it in a way to extend it to all different sorts of like, I guess, things that make up our generation. So uh, he was was talking about how um, technology has influenced our mental health uh our generation tends to be much more anxious and depressed that could be due to technology and we are exposed to uh more mass shootings in the media and um but then there's also like good things like uh technology has made us more aware about mental health like suicide isn't a hush hush topic anymore like it's a mainstream conversation sort of thing Um, And then other ways that technology has affected our generation is that um, we use sources online to, like, be more frugal, I guess, and more knowledgeable about any big financial investments we're going to make, like college. Absolutely. I think what's interesting about the Gen Z generation or Generation Z is that the sense of our um, our introduction to technology and how mm-hmm. that's integrated our lives. Mm-hmm. So what's fascinating is, you know, when people say, oh, you're a Gen Z, or they're like, you must have grown up in the tech boom. And that's true. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, I'm actually from San Francisco, right outside Silicon Valley. And so when the, just to note, the first iPhone came out in 2007, yes. and I had just turned seven mm-hmm. at the time, and everyone's thinking, oh my God, you're the generation that grew up with iPhones. So... Yeah, technically speaking, that's true. However, the implementation and the impact of the iPhone really didn't come about until we were much older. So mm-hmm. in t- 2007, when the iPhone came out, yeah, maybe your mom would get it or be a Christmas present, but it wasn't integrated into our lives like it is today. Yeah. So, you know, growing up as a kid, when when you were bored with your and having a play date with your friend, your parents would say, okay, great, go turn on the VCR. Yeah, I'm talking about those <laughs> videos, people. Yes, we had them along with mix, with along with um, uh, tape. What are those called? Like, oh, cassettes. Cassettes. Yeah. Yes, this was actually something that we had growing up too. Yes, millennials, we <laughs> identify with you to a certain extent. Kind of hard. Two thousands kids remember. Oh yeah, and the scrunchies. <laughs> don't get me started. But um, getting back to the idea of growing up with technology, I think that um, the implementation wasn't nearly as 
epic as it is for people that were born even like five years younger than us because the way that iPhones came about was, you know, then you had the iPod touches, which were super popular, but the sense was you couldn't have data on them. So it was like kind of like having a Game Boy, Mm -hmm. but just a little bit more glorified, but that didn't even come out till we were like 12 or the, the, like where it became super common to have one. So yeah, like at summer camp, people would have their iPod shuffles and you had to like use your mom's like, or use the family computer to Mm -hmm. download it from iTunes. Yeah. Remember those days? Yes. So <laughs> at least for us, grow, like being born just right after the 20th century, or like, I mean, I was a 99er, so I was actually in the 20th century. Still like to play that up. <laughs> um, you know, our, our introduction to technology wasn't so wasn't as boom as big in the sense of people that were born significantly after us, even though we are still technically in the same generation. I mean, I think it's interesting just seeing the transition between uh, network television and how that has evolved into YouTube and Netflix and Hulu and all of that. Like, I mean, I'm sure you can remember when you and your family would gather around. For me, it was like, you know, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central on Disney Channel. Oh, absolutely. Those (laughs) are the days of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yes, exactly. You gotta watch those Zack and Cody marathons with your fam. Um, My parents didn't like those, though. Oh, me neither, but, you know, I still watch them. They they thought they made me too sassy. (laughs) That's what I'd say. No, Hannah Montana was the worst, though. I knew a girl who wasn't allowed to watch Hannah Montana because her parents thought it would make her too sassy. Yeah, no, but just think of how all those kids now with, like, the internet, with, you know? With Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who those people are because I'm oh, so glow. out of it. Oh, glow, glow. Anyway, um, well, that's it. Okay, so wait, this brings up an interesting point. So, I mean, I remember growing up, our teen idols were all on the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. That's the main source of where we got our entertainment. Oh, yeah, There's, that's interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah. like, I know, I know I babysit people like kids who you know watch tv still but they are all about the youtubers and like jake paul logan paul uh team 10 all that stuff and i just think that's so funny and interesting no i think that's that's wild to me because growing up it's in the sense of like having immediate immediate access to something that lack of patience and i know you know when i talk to my parents or other people born in that generation was it generation x gen z is our parents generation no, Gen Z is our generation. I'm sorry, Gen X is our parents' Gen generation. X. Right, when I talk to Gen Xers or people that are significantly older than me, they're all just kind of like, oh, you guys have no patience. But it's interesting because actually I think we do to a lot more extent. I mean, we've become accustomed to the essence of Google mm-hmm. and Facebook where it's like, it's so immediate. It's in the sense of like, you know, everyone always has to be on. And that is such a trend in our Gen Z perspective, like if you're not answering your phone, you know, kudos. I respect the crap out of that. I wish I had more discipline, mm-hmm. but it's so easy because it's in the sense of like this constant idea that we always need to be on, which also mm-hmm. gets back to the point of immediate gratification. So I remember when I was a kid, speaking of Disney Channel, I was like to my parents, we need to get Comcast mom and dad because Comcast has pre recorded episodes. And so if I want to watch my favorite Zach and Cody shows, I want to have access to it. And they're like, no, we use TiVo. Yes, TiVo, TiVo. guys. We had TiVo. Yes, you had to fast forward to the commercials and watch things in live air. Yes, we have that. (laughs) See, there's so many misconceptions or preconceived notions about about us versus millennials and what have you. (laughs) TiVo, what a throwback. 
I know, honestly. Do you remember like when uh, what's it called, like DVR recording, like on uh, what's it called, like digitally came out? Yes. Like that was wild. Like you know wild what, concept. You know what I really remember was Blu-ray. I remember Blu-ray too. <laughs> I remember. So yes, we were around for some of these things. I just want to point out, but yes. I think getting back to that sense of immediate gratification and always feeling like we have to be on. As a Gen Z or Caroline, what are your thoughts about the sense of like how we interact in terms of like what is the standard of our of our generation in terms of work ethic, grind, all these things? It's so interesting because. When I talk to people of older generations, I'm not naming any names, mom and dad, but when I talk to older people, they sometimes have a misconception or a generalization about how all people of our generation, quote unquote, interact and work. And they see us as very antisocial people who need to, who can't communicate face to face. We do everything through tech. Uh, we are impatient and we can't focus. We're always taking on too much and then we can't follow through with any of it. And I think that, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. However, I disagree in a lot of respects to that. I mean, yes, I'm going to admit it. I am a very impatient person. Um, but I think that, honestly, in our generation, I've met, like, the hardest working people just because you know at least as of now we're kind of at a disadvantage of being you know young and not having a lot of influence so we are working hard to get to where we want to be and at what's it called if you go back to the fact about um us like not wanting to talk face to face with people i so back to the forbes article by my man julian vigo he cited a study that found that um, that Gen Zers were much more likely to talk face to face to people than millennials were. So I think that's interesting. As someone with anxiety, I do not like that. However, I can definitely see that we are a generation of people who want to get stuff done, and we're very ambitious. I mean, look at us, Glow. We have a podcast now. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I think that's interesting. I feel like it's too young to make any giant sweeping negative generalizations about us. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more left to, you know, to see what we can do. I like that. I like that a lot. And I actually agree with that statistic a lot because I think that in millennial, this is just my preconceived notion, mm -hmm. but I think in the sense of millennials kind of like got, you know, when tech came out for them, it was a very different experience than when it came out for us because, mm -hmm. you know, they were a little bit older than us in the sense of having it be integrated and having it be of age. Like I remember when, you know, the iPhone comes out, iPod, iPod touch, getting your email, for us, that was like, you know, I think we were maybe like 10 or 11 when that started. Yeah. Or it's like if you had a phone in second grade, you could only call your parents or call mm -hmm. 911. There mm -hmm. was no other going back unless if you had those one of those really cool parents that did not care. I'm not trying to diss anyone that had an iPhone in second grade. That's, <laughs> that's great. Anyway, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that our integration has been has been significantly different. And so I think also, you know, during our teen years, that is when the influencers and all this mm -hmm. stuff with YouTube and all like Vine. 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 I could talk at length about Vine. You know, all these all these different apps were really popping and yeah. Instagram was coming around. Yes, this is before Instagram had stories too. We have been there. <laughs> Snapchat wasn't a thing until high school, you know. And yeah. so during our formative years, 
our integration with technology became insane in the Mm -hmm. sense of how we were able this was our new form of communication like i don't know i feel like yes tech is obviously part of our lives but we are starting to appreciate more human aspects as we grow older yes absolutely i totally agree and and connecting with humanity understanding humanity what is humanity about Mm -hmm. and so i think that's also maybe sparked some of the reasons why we're so open about being such an open generation i don't want to like generalize for everyone but in the sense of like yeah we have flags for every type of sexuality Mm -hmm. it's amazing i don't even know all of them as a gen zer i'm really out of it in that department (laughs) i support all of it but i don't if you gave me a flag i could not tell you oh yeah that's that's pansexual everyone (laughs) but um i think i think that sense of you know communicating who we are and being able to express that because i think we've we've definitely seen a lot of oppression or seen people suffer with it and i think it was like the time of like okay we can't just like keep having this happen and i think we've also seen a lot of progress societally about being open at least in the liberal parts of america Mm -hmm. i mean like i grew up in san francisco i'm here in boston now for college you know i haven't had that experience of living in the middle of nowhere and having people be so i don't know what the word is like homogenous sure or prejudiced against those issues Mm -hmm. and so i think I think our generation is more excited to be open and woke because we are trying to com- connect with humanity. Now, this is all speculation. I don't necessarily know for sure, but I think that might be one reason why is in the sense of like, give us a legitimate reason. I also, I think this is interesting because what you're, de- you know, what you're describing, I think is increased um, individual individualism and a, um, in valuing the individual over, um, I guess, conformity of society. And that's so interesting because when you, if you're into generational studies and all that and labels and all that, like, I, I don't know, I really like doing research about generations. I know that a defining feature of Gen X was uh, just kind of being rebels, I suppose. Interesting. And a uh, newfound, or newfound, I don't know if it would be newfound, but just a sense of individualism uh this is you know the era where um all those like 80s movies were made about high school and you can see all the different types of people this is the era of like uh breakfast club yeah exactly the rise of like cringe or not cringe culture oh my gosh grunge culture uh you know in the early 90s so many different sub cultures that were coming about in that era and i definitely think that we we see a lot of parallels with gen x in our generation because yeah no there's just i mean obviously there's homogeny but it's all like there's so many different subcultures that there's no one big push towards one type of like I don't know, this is how you're going to live your life as a Gen Zer. It's all very different, which, I don't know. It's... I don't think the archetypes are as strong as they were in the 80s, yes. at least with us, because it's interesting, like, um, last year, some of my friends and I went to go see Love, Simon, and they oh, had yeah. the stereotypical characters. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's basically about this um, boy who comes out to his friends, and it's this whole thing, living yeah. in, you know, as a Gen Zer, and... Um, you know, it's a cute movie. It's it's very LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. We love that. 
Um, but it was also really stereotypical in some ways. Oh, yeah. And it was like, you know, and I think it's it's a really fine line of trying to figure out, well, how do I represent this whole new subgroup that's really mm-hmm. coming to the forefront on a national or international level? And yet not just like putting the, you know, just putting a label on it or just generalizing like all gay people are like this. And so I think what's hard about Gen Z is there's so many nuances about us. Yeah, exactly. That we want to emulate. And I think that's great. And we want to highlight. But then it like it like with the whole sexuality label thing, you know, it's like, OK, there's like. Like how many of them? I don't know. I should have looked this up, but you know, for anyone who wants to submit it, please do. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook and tell us what the answer is. Um, but you know, I think I think in that sense that we we don't want to be categorized. We don't want to be generalized in terms of our personality, but then we want to in terms of our sexuality. I think though it's interesting. We don't want to be generalized as a society, and we don't want to be generalized as general as a generation. But we want to express our individuality. Yeah, like we want. We're all about that. We want our labels to cling on to because we feel like it makes us more of an individual. Um, and I guess you know there is the larger like, there are larger larger cultural groups that we can all fall under, but. I don't know. People are really nuanced, not just Gen Z kids, but like people are really nuanced. And I think Gen Z, even though uh, we're taking on some labels, like it's being used to describe our individuality. It's interesting. Yeah, I like being individualistic. I mean, like, think about it. The whole idea of, like, just bring back technology for a hot sec is in the sense of, like, you know, you have your own Instagram page and you have your own Facebook page and all that sense. But I think what's different about our generation, at least maybe versus millennials or other things, Mm -hmm. is the fact that we don't buy it. We don't buy the fake photos of mm-hmm. you on the beach where it's taking you five hours to get the, the wind just right so the lighting works for your face. That's great. But I think that's another thing that we're also doing is kind of like really, like I said, connecting me th- with humanity in the sense of like, you know, I think there's actually been a trend of if you see on social media, people just like posting real photos. Yes, that, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge defining factor about us that I think is different than other generations is we're not about the fakeness anymore. Yeah. Be authentic. But I guess, like, I guess moving back to the concept of, you know, what makes our generation different or what mm-hmm. makes our generation unique isn't kind of paralleling it with Gen, Gen X over here is in the sense of rebellionism. I think we are kind of almost facing our own sense of rebellionism in the sense of like not having big corporations take over and decide what we get to share and what we don't. What mm-hmm. are our parallel aspects of rebelling to society as oh. Gen Z? And we can parallel it with Gen X, like, oh, you know, our sense of how we fight back. All right. Well, I think right now we're a little too intertwined with uh, the millennial generation just because, you know, they're the ones with the resources right now. They're the ones with the money. Um, and they're the ones who some who most of the time have the louder voices. So I don't think I can make a certain state, like a absolute concrete statement on that. I will, <clears throat> sorry. I will say, though, that... Um, I mean, we are a very anti-corporation uh, sort of generation. Like, I remember when I was in London, um, me and a friend, oh, a friend invited me to go to a protest of London Pride um, because it was like a protest of London Pride because of the corporatization of London Pride. So that was, it was mostly actually, like a lot of people, they were obviously college kids, but a lot of them also were millennials who were running nonprofits. So they're the ones with the power and the loud voices right now, but we're here to support them, I guess. 
and then also, I, this kind of relates, kind of. Um, if you, like, I'm really into YouTube. I, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm, like, really, really into YouTube. Always have. And um, right now, they've, they're going through a, I mean, this has kind of been an issue for a couple years now, but, like, they're going through a whole thing about um, censorship and monetization and what makes something, like, worthy of being monetized. Like, why can't I say this on YouTube, but I can say this and get money? So I, there's also a lot of um, rebellion against that. And um, But then, oh, this is interesting. All right, so we could, like, parallel that. But then there's a whole issue about freedom of speech, I guess. Um, and I honestly, I can't say... I, I can't have a definitive statement about what our generation thinks of that. Honestly, I mean, also, that's something I would have to do more research on. I think it's a possible topic for that, another Yes, episode, definitely. Huh? Oh, my gosh. We could research this so much, but... That's... Gen Z's policy on freedom of speech. Yeah, yeah definitely. I also about. just wanted to segue back to the concept of millennials versus Gen Z, because I feel like we started a burning conversation over here. But mm. also to back it up, I just want to say that we're going to now go back and listen to a interview I did with my professor. Oh, yes. Um, com he's my professor for Com 201. He's fantastic. Um, and he is a millennial. And I thought, no better person to uh, get interviewed and hear their thoughts about Gen Zers since he teaches them and has to deal with us all the time. So we're going to um, go take a little uh, time travel trip to my interview with Professor Sam Sarkeesian. Um, Professor Sarkeesian, can you tell us what year you were born and um, your general thoughts on teaching Gen Zers? All right. Uh, well, I was born in 1992. Um, my general thoughts on Gen Zers, um, well, I think I've only really taught Gen Z students. I haven't, I didn't start teaching millennials, I don't think, I think I just barely missed the, the cutoff. Um, I find them, um, to be tech driven, and I know that sounds like a stereotype, um, but I purposely tried to implement, um, a, a mix of classical, like, lecture style board writing um, with, um, you know, technologically um, inspired lessons at the same time because I find it keeps them more engaged. And how do you feel Gen Z is, like the Gen Z generation is different than your generation? Um, I mean, the major difference I think historically would be that we didn't have the internet when we were young and then we were, you know, when we were about... 8 to 12, 8 to whatever the age range is, um, that's when we started to use computers. So we have some, the millennials uh, have like uh, faint memories of like analog systems before tech became so huge. Um, so I don't know necessarily how that plays out in personality differences because I don't really like to make generalizations about the two. Um, I actually think that our two generations are probably the closest out of most, um, I think that you're very, um, well, Gen Zers are very culturally aware, um, very tolerant of other races and worldviews. I think they're actually intolerant 
of prejudice at this point in time. I haven't really found many Gen Zers who are socially conservative, um, which I think is a very good thing, um, right? Accepting people. Um, and I think that is in part a product of such a technologically um, focused generation because you've seen all of these people whom you haven't met and you can read their stories. So I think that helps connect you, even though some of the older generations, not dropping any names, but baby boomers, um, <laughs> kind of fail to see that, you know, social media can be a good thing because it isn't as isolating as it might seem on the surface. Yeah, elaborate more about that. I'm really curious about the aspect of how we're able to read opinions or have so much influence through the media about how we make our opinions versus uh, past generations. Um, do you have more to add to that? Um, I think it's good and bad, right? One thing is we have such infinite access to this information so we can get different perspectives that we'd never be able to experience, right? That's, that's the good thing. Um, but I think it can be negative because we can be susceptible, millennials and Gen Zers both, um, to information overload, right? Where there are so many perspectives that it's actually hard sometimes to form your own opinion on them. And instead it kind of becomes a parroting type of activity where you find the opinion that you like the most and then you kind of just wed to it. Um, so I think that as long as we're conscious of the fact that we're getting such a constant influx of information and take some time to like sit alone and actually reflect on it, then it can be good, but there's that caveat. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like as a Gen Zer myself that there is this sense of information overload, and I think it's overwhelming to us because there's just so much. Like, we have these, like, pop quizzes on current events. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I didn't happen to read this one little snippet. Yeah. And so how do you think we should deal with this issue? Um, well... One, I would, if we're just talking like from a journalism standpoint, absolutely, right? Yeah, um, sure. I think you should subscribe to some big left wing and big right wing papers, right? Um, I think kind of gone are the days of truly unbiased, objective journalism, and I think that's in part because there's this information overload, so everybody is trying to kind of compete for their stake in the opinion market, if you, if you will. Sure. Um, so yeah, an easy way, at least what I've tried to do is, you know, I subscribe to, you know, the Post and the Times because those are kind of left wing, but I also read the Economist and the Wall Street Journal to kind of like get the quote unquote objective, but still left and right wing. Right. And I guess my final question to you is, do you feel if it's, do you feel like we're so much in this state of information overload and do you think, do you predict that we're going to kind of like swing the pendulum and it's going to be cool not to always know what's going on in that sense in terms of keeping up with media? I think there's too much of an awareness instinct for us as humans to, to, to kind of shy away from trying to know everything as it's going on. Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, the solutions that Gen Z does come up with to kind of mitigate that problem. Um, because I do think that as a generation, y'all are, are very innovative. Um, some of the responses to set, like more of my open assignments for prompts, I'm, I'm very impressed with some of the angles that I've never thought of and some of the perspectives that, the, that you all bring. Right, and I guess one more last question. Um, any misconceptions that you that you might have heard or see of Gen Z versus your actual experience? 
can you just remind me what are some of the stereotypes of Gen Z? Um, that that we're always on our phones, that we always like need like a participation trophy, or you know we're so open all the time, or I don't I don't know whatever comes to mind. Sure, um, I think we actually <laughs> share a lot in terms of what folks consider millennials versus Gen Zers. Um, I will answer a question, but I do want to just say first. Um, I've noticed a lot of older generations, not so much Gen X. Gen X kind of just like stays in the middle ground and doesn't really make a lot of assumptions about anybody. That's what I've found. (laughs) Um, But baby boomers lump us together in the same generation quite a bit. Absolutely. Right? Because participation trophies and, you know, self-indulged was like, is definitely a millennial stereotype. And I think it it could um, carry over... I mean, yes, always on your phone, sure. I mean, there's, while I think it's nice to have time to sit and reflect, like we talked about before, with just such a constant influx of information, be on your phone. Like, yeah, that's a good way to access it. Um, But I do think that the negative stereotype of always being on your phone isn't necessarily true because you're not isolated. You're actually more connected than almost every generation because you're on social media, you're texting each other, you're just not doing it in person. Right. Right. Um, other stereotypes. Um, I do see the. Um, how do I put this? Because I don't. It's kind of negative, but I don't want to sound overly negative. Sorry. That's okay. We we need a diversity <laughs> of opinions here. That's why we have you on. Yeah, I do think that um, there could be a little bit of a mo- more emotional grit among Gen Zers. Um, There is a lot, and I think my generation needs this sometimes too, but there's definitely a need for um, validation with constructive criticism rather than taking constructive criticism in in stride as in, you know, it's this isolated incident. It's not a reflection on who you are as a person from giving you a critique on your writing, right? It's like in this genre, in this moment, you know, we have a relationship where I'm your instructor and you're my student. So it's actually my job to give you this constructive criticism. Um, And then on the flip side, and this can be a positive as well, um, you're very aware of, of what constitutes um, people's day-to-day lives, I think, and it could be a product of social media. And the reason I'm thinking about this is almost all of my emails from Gen Zers start with, sorry to bother you. (laughs) And it's quite literally my job to answer the email, so while I appreciate the the awareness that it takes up some of my time, um, I do feel that sometimes like being so aware of where everybody is, um, it can have that um, negative effect of being overly cautious with your um, emotional awareness. That's really interesting. We'll definitely have to discuss that further, but um, thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Happy to be uh, the uh, first guest. All right, so we just heard um, me having a interview with my professor, Sam Sarkeesian. And Caroline, as a Gen Zer listening in on this interview, what were your thoughts? I agreed with many aspects of your interview with him. I thought the part about um, constructive criticism and, uh, yeah. I guess, internalizing everything and emotional grit. I mean, again, as a person with anxiety, I can't really 
I don't think I can, I'm the best person to talk about this, but I definitely, I mean, I don't know, when I was young, I know that I, I didn't mean to internalize all of my, the constructive criticism I got because I understood it was helping me, but I still would cry a lot and I still do, I try not to, but like, I, I, I think, relate. I think, I mean, there's a lot of theories about why that we feel the systemic pressure and I think it, it is felt at a young age where in the sense of like, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And I think also, you know, during our, especially during our generation, maybe millennials too, but especially us, you know, the sense of competitiveness yes. started at such a young age and parents were like you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that and it's like oh you didn't make the soccer team oh my god and then travel teams started to come around and club teams and then it's like you know you're in sixth grade and you don't have a weekend to yourself right yes i fun fact about me i played field hockey from fourth grade or it was fifth grade i think all the way up until the end of eighth grade and i was gonna do it in high school but i did not um just i mean i had a there's a couple reasons why I didn't do it in high school, one of which is I forgot what preseason, when preseason was. But one of them was just a huge sense of competitiveness between all these middle school girls. And this is something that was supposed to be for fun. But when you do club, you know, it's like... You got a new level. It's a new level. Sure. And even, heck, even, no, hold on. Even back in, like, middle school, like... It's a new level, It was, yeah. like, a new level. Like, what is this? I just want to have fun with my friends playing field hockey. It was wild. And, yeah, that, that competition, they pitch you up against people starting real young, and it doesn't stop. It's wild. Yeah. No, I feel like that could also be another topic of discussion. Oh, yes. About sports. I could talk yeah, clearly about that, this too. Idea, clearly this, episode, this podcast episode is about us just discussing ideas for later in the season. So if you have <laughs> yes. any ideas, just let us know. Um, but I think I think the other thing that I thought that was really fascinating that um, Professor Sarkeesian said was the aspect of information overload. Yes. That's huge. Yes. And I think a lot of generations are experiencing that right now, especially with like the load of technology and how integrated it is into our lives. But I think I think the biggest issue is it's like we feel overwhelmed with mm -hmm. knowing so much. And I think that might be one of a factor of the rise of depression in our generation, especially is that we know so much at such a young age and are hold to, held or we hold ourselves to such a high caliber being like we need to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or we need to be the next, um, you know, uh, whoever else is I mean there's so many young yeah. people that are doing a better job in life than Mark Zuckerberg but in that sense of like you know the new 30 mm -hmm. and so I was reading somewhere I can't remember where I read this but one of the reasons why we felt really stressed or overworked or over pressured is in the sense of oh yes I remember really great book um damn it I'm forgetting the name of this but um Basically, it's about this book about Generation Z and about how, or millennials, about like how stressed or overworked we are. And basically what they were saying is, you know, after the tech boom, there was this huge um, increase of young people being overly productive. Like it was like 30 was the new 50. Um, you know, during Gen X, if you were 50 years old and you had accomplished all these things, okay, yeah, you were really successful. But that standard of success was being brought down to by the time you were 30, you'd be the CEO, you'd have millions of dollars, you'd be living in this house. And that that standard of what does success look like on a societal level that we all just, you know, are feed into in that sense, became really amplified. Mm -hmm. And so that's a huge issue as well that I think it's been happening. And so when we have this information overload, not just with knowledge, but with knowledge about what other people are doing, we get really stressed out. 
Mm-hmm. And we haven't integrated into our society ways that we're society allowed to cope with this um, from a society standpoint. Like, it's okay, you know. And I think after the 2008 tech boom, it became more common for millennials to live at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even read a statistic that I think it's like, what, 26, 36% of millennials still live at home. And that's oh. incredibly common. Yeah, it's super high because it's just so expensive, especially in on the coastal cities. Oh, yes. Definitely. And so for us, you know, we look at them, we're like, oh, we're not going to be that way. But it's like everyone's at a different pace. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only really recently where we've seen it see an upturn of people just being real with it. Kind of like we were saying earlier about the authenticity and connecting with humanity and being mm-hmm. like, it's OK if you don't have all these benchmarks done by the time you're 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Everyone has their you know, everyone has their own pace in life. And at least where I'm from, in my community, um, you're expected to go at a certain pace, you know, then get to a good college, and then from there get a good job. And uh, I'm not saying it caused my anxiety, but it definitely um, made it worse, just because that wasn't, I don't know if that was a good pace for me. I mean, and now, I guess, also that just influenced my uh need to always be doing something now but yeah we live in a very fast world and you see people who are successful they're going fast 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 they're going they're taking like all the in high school they're taking all the highest classes but they're also doing like 20 extracurriculars and they're going to the top colleges and then they're taking all those like crazy college classes doing internships doing research and then they're a ceo by like 25 like, it's fast, it's wild, and, you know, that's not normal. And, I mean, it should be applauded, but it's not normal. It's not what everyone's going to be. We want to grow. Yeah, exactly. We like, want to be authentic. Yeah. We want to we experience life. Take our time. Recreation. Let's bring it back. Yeah, let's take our time. Not be lazy, but just take our time. Hey, I want pre- a lazy day. You deserve a lazy day, but I'm saying... I'll you, take one tomorrow. Yes, you deserve <laughs> it. But, um, just... You know, realize everyone has a different pace in life, and yeah, not everyone needs to be a CEO at 25. You can do what makes you happy and what makes you money and what makes you alive, what keeps you alive. (laughs) (laughs) So to wrap up this episode, I think what we want to do is kind of talk about what were the key takeaways, like, you know, summary mode. If you're telling your friends, listen to our podcast, what are the key takeaways of this episode, Caroline? Oh, dear, Glow. That is a hefty question you're asking me. Um, well, I can help you with this one. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, we discussed a lot of topics, and a lot of them we were discussing, we were discussing cultural uh, markers of Gen Z. Yes. But we were also starting to touch upon the psychological and philosophical markers of Gen Z as well, which is interesting yes so as now being informed after listening to one of our our first episode of go off i would say the common takeaways about being a gen zer are the sense of being authentic we do like labels we like expressing ourselves to the max we like being open um i think we have a interesting relationship with technology but i think we're kind of slowly starting to slowly fight against it and this is our parallel to gen x about our rebelling phase we are anti-major corporation in the sense of their their data policies we're not opposed to it we use facebook we acknowledged it we are open about it i'm (laughs) out of the facebook closet but you know in the sense of um we want to feel like we've got rights and independence in that aspect. So yes. 
We also feel we're overloaded with information, which is maybe one of the causes of our rise in depression and anxiety, along with the sense of being held to a higher standard. Yes. Um, these are all just like surface of the iceberg, but we are planning to go more in depth in our future episodes with these topics. If you have topics yourself that you're interested in, please feel to DM us on Instagram at go at go dot off podcast uh, yes dot podcast and you can find us on facebook as well yes so thank you so much for listening to our first episode and we hope to see you or hear help you hear us next week yes go off is a podcast affiliated with wtbu at boston university <laughs>